You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey back with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Marion McCrary. She is an internal medicine physician at Duke and an integrative health and wellness coach. With her work, she helps people craft changes in their lives through coaching for the whole you. Thanks so much for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a wonderful conversation. Absolutely. So tell us about your story, first into medicine and into coaching. Oh, I'd love to. So I um, am a native North Carolinian, and I grew up in the western part of the state and came to Chapel Hill for uh, college and never left. So I did all of my training there and decided to practice in the area and join the practice right out of residency um, in Durham and stayed there for 17 years until I got curious about some other things that I was interested in and uh, made a switch this year. The, um, that's, that's the easy part. <laughs> so the uh, kind of the, the uh, switch and the change um, came out of a, a lot of questioning. And I, looking back about 10 years into my practice, I realized as many physicians um, who you've had conversations with would say, that they were just in a state of feeling overwhelmed or burnout. And I um, was seeing patients. I was serving as our lead physician in the practice at the time. And we were actually recreating an EMR. So we were typing in all the history again. And I, I just got burned out. And I wasn't enjoying myself in my job. And I was looking for some kind of spark in my life. And on a whim, I signed up for a preventative medicine conference in Chicago, and that was where I heard about health coaching. And I had had some experience with patients where they were in the same boat I was, feeling overwhelmed, didn't know where to start, and I just didn't feel equipped to help them. And when I started to learn more about coaching, um, it's like the little light bulb went off. It's like, hey, this is another way I can help my patients. And so when I came back from that conference, I started looking around to see, you know, how I could get into programs and what that involved. And the more I looked at it, I realized, gosh, I've been coached before. I just didn't realize it. And that was through um, a leadership program that I did with my um, health system at the time. And it was really interesting thinking back about how, how just getting in a group, it was a group setting coaching getting in a group with people who were in the same situation as you were, they were all physicians, um, just talking honestly about what was going on in their life and seeing how that could help them move forward was so powerful. And it was at that time that I also became interested in physician wellness. You know, I'd gone through this burnout. 
I uh, was trying to come out the other side of it. And as many folks who, who do coaching um, and then decide they want to be a coach, it, it was the same situation. So I realized that as I got into coaching initially to help patients, that it was also something I could use to help my colleagues and to help myself. And so I, um, I um, started that process and have been seeking out different ways to, to use that and to explore that since then. And so I um, have really been, um, um, I don't know the word, proud that I have kind of come out of that comfort zone I was in of like, okay, I'm a physician. I'm in the same practice. I um, enjoy what I'm doing. I don't want to make any changes. But there was this inkling of there's something else out there that I want to do. And now I feel like I'm really, really doing those different things. That's so great. And I love that it opened with curiosity. That's one of my favorite words and feelings to have and to see what it can open up for you. How did you hold space to be curious, you know, and move through that transition? Like you said, 17 years, what you said, and then to be able to Mm -hmm. shift from that. How did you sit with curiosity and expand with it? (laughs) Initially, it was, I was very fearful. So I loved kind of just this consistency. I didn't want to rock the boat. I was kind of just on my path. And so I um, found that when I was not feeling um, the spark that I wanted, I distracted myself. So it was much easier to say, you know what, instead of finishing those charts, I really want to do something different. I want to plan a trip. So it was kind of like um, the dog sees the squirrel and they kind of run after it. So I, I really started looking for things out of a distraction. I wanted a way out. And it wasn't necessarily out of medicine. I just wanted something else to think about for a while. And as I was doing that, and again, as I kind of um, fell into finding a little bit more about coaching, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. I want to do more of that. And so it, it came out of a place of fear and not wanting to change. And I really found that pivot just with um, finding that inside of me, there was something else I felt like I could do. I um, have done those strength finders tests, those um, via, uh, via questionnaires. And I found that love of learning is really my top. And so I think as I, as I got curious, it just said that, and it made me want to learn more. And I found as I was reflecting and and really figuring out what was important to me and my priorities, that whatever I did going forward, I wanted the ability to continue to, to seek, seek that information and to see where it might take me. Mm -hmm. And you brought up another favorite word to pivot, right? So curiosity, giving you that space to make the shift you know, and see what else you could do. And I'm curious myself, how did you navigate that? Because we might think, well, you can't be distracted forever, right? Maybe you have to eventually do those charts. How did you bring yourself back, right? So how do you know when it's the curiosity that's serving this expansion and when it is avoiding, right? Some other perhaps, Mm. you know, less exciting, but necessary tasks to be done. (laughs) That's a great question. I haven't thought about that a lot, but I think it's figuring out your priorities first. And if it is something that moves you toward that priority, that that vision of where you want to be, then it's not really a distraction. If it if it's keeping you from 
from getting there, then that's when it's more of a, someone holding you back. And so I think that being really clear about where you want to be in your life um, is the foundation for that and mm-hmm. will help you in so many ways in addition to that. Yeah, that's such a beautiful illustration. You know, so knowing that all distraction isn't necessarily bad, right? It can open our eyes to other things and right, noticing when it's actually keeping you stuck in one place. I love that. You mentioned too, having been coached and not realizing it. And I think that's come up for a lot of us in that space. And what do you notice now that we've kind of given it a name, you know, so now we understand perhaps what's been happening and we've seen a bit of a, you know, surge in coaching happening in medicine, which is so fantastic. What do you think it's been that's allowed that and how naming it has mattered? Oh, you know, for me, it was really a whole different way of listening to people and having um, conversations with them. I think that um, it was the very first day of my training program for coaching before we all said, you know, who we were, what was our background. And we, we dove into the listening part of that, learning how to listen. And doctors were used as an example of folks who cut you off and don't let, let you say what you want to say after like 12 seconds or something like that, I think is the is the um, amount that's quoted. And I realized, you know, I, I, even though I was taught to ask open-ended questions and let the patient talk, I, I wasn't doing that. And part of that was that time crunch that I've got to get to the next patient. Um, you know, some of those things that were kind of um, feeling less efficient from feeling burned out. And so really just thinking, you know what, I can talk to people differently. And so I started using that in the exam room, even before I was finished uh, with my training and just, you know, asking those open-ended questions, those what and how questions rather than are you or do you and when did this happen? You know, trying to get all those different characteristics of their complaint and um, just really open things up for the conversations that we were having. And when I did make a transition in my practice, it was interesting that the comments that I got from patients when they knew I was leaving is, gosh, you really, you really listened to me. And, and so I think that validated me, um, you know, doing that and, and makes me want to do that more. And I also found that I do that now in conversations with family and friends and not in a, like, I'm going to secretly coach you way, but just sitting back and letting the conversation be about them part of the time. And not all the things that, you know, I'm trying to put back in and listen just to be able to interject something. I really want to just sit and understand. And it, it just gives you a little bit of a peace. You don't feel so much pressure in a conversation. And, um, and so, I, you know, I forgot what the initial question you asked me. But the, but the feeling that I got from that is that it just, um, once you know some of these skills, then you really can put them in your day in in a casual way and they bring so much back to you it's a beautiful reflection you know and talking about how giving coaching a name gives us the tangibility to utilize it in all Mm -hmm. spaces i happen to be working with some senior medical students right now and we're talking about open-ended questions and interviewing and like you said we've been taught right to hone in and have control and guide the conversation and move towards your you know hypothesis your proposed diagnosis And there's space for that, right? You know, like you said, with the efficiency and so much more can be gained when we do allow for the patient to tell us. And actually, I'm curious how you've found this. 
the efficiency might actually improve because we're allowing them to tell the story that often comes out right the hand on the doorknob analogy. Mm-hmm. And instead, if we create space within the visit, we actually might get through it more efficiently and effectively. Yeah, I agree. I, I've actually said it, you know, it, you may feel like it takes just a little bit longer to start with, but you are, you know, sowing the seeds of this really good relationship that you have with a person that it may help you be more efficient and be a better doctor to them in the future. So you just get to know them a little bit better. And in the end, I think that saves you time and it, and it creates that better relationship. Mm-hmm. And I wonder too, how it might even contribute to the charting phenomenon when you are bringing story into it, right? It's almost more interesting to be able to put the information down from that connected space rather than just yeah. facts, right? Yeah. And checkbox space. I never thought of that. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. As a primary care physician, I, um, my notes are a little long winded sometimes. <laughs> it's not the, the two second surgery notes. Uh, uh, but, um, thank goodness for dictation, dragon dictation. This is not a uh, promotion, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it helps a lot. And so you do feel like you can kind of tell a little bit of a story and get it into that note. Um, and, and make it mean something to you. It's a good reminder when you look back rather than a, we had a conversation. So you're actually mm-hmm. putting some information there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how with the new shifts of billing and coding and prioritizing decision-making, if the quality and the content and that depth of the assessment and plan shifts. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see if that actually opens doors for physicians to communicate. Yeah, I agree. I've um, started to use those new codes um, this last month and and really feel like it's a it frees things up um, you know, just so you can concentrate more on what's going on in the exam room rather than what you're documenting outside of that mm-hmm. um, during the day, at night, on the weekends, you know. So I'm hoping it, it's going to have that intended um, purpose that it's going to serve physicians better mm-hmm. and what we have to document. Absolutely. One thing you mentioned early on was the idea of comfort zone. And this has come up a lot recently. And one way I've been looking at it, and I'd love to hear your perspective, is we talk about stepping outside of our comfort zone. But I wonder if it's possible for us to simply make our comfort zone bigger, right? So if it's a small circle, mm-hmm. and only a few things are in there, as we grow and stretch and you, you take up this coach training, if actually your comfort zone is just growing too, right? So more things are allowed in there. How does that resonate with you in your yeah. current experience? I love that. And I, I hadn't thought about that. Just expanding the the bubble as we're, we're in a pandemic talking about <laughs> bubbles, but just expanding your space. It's just like you're creating space in your mind um, to do other things. And I think that was one of the things that I was looking for. I wanted to learn about new things, things that interested me. And I'm actually doing that right now. I think I'm a, a work in progress with that expansion and having this conversation with you where other people are going to listen to it and, and uh, writing, um, I've um, been involved in um, writing more and putting that out there. It's really me stepping out of my comfort zone and, and testing some of those limiting beliefs that I've had in the past where, where, you know, I'm not an expert in anything. Nobody really needs to hear what I have to say and realizing that, as I've listened to other physicians talk about what they've gone through authentically and um, what's helped them, and in turn that's helped me, then I am 
trying to put all of the things that I was kind of passively learning and consuming, I want to kind of put it back out there. And so I'm trying to do that through presenting, through having conversations like this on a podcast. Um, I'm participating in a writer's fellowship where I'm writing a blog a month for women in white coats. And it's been really fun um, to put the things that I've learned and I think are valuable out there. And if it just reaches one person, great. If it reaches many more, that's a bonus. And so that's me stepping outside of, of the comfort zone of public speaking and, and having my words out there where they may be judged, but I'm hopefully they will be accepted and used in a good way. Absolutely. And just offering a point of reflection and for somebody to pause and think differently about something or even see that that's possible, right? To see you as a writer and think, oh, I didn't realize, you know, this opportunity existed to put my words out on other platforms. That's so powerful. You're asking so many great questions as you are expanding yourself. Tell us more about what it looks like to coach both patients and your fellow physicians. You know, are there a lot of common threads or do you see some different differences come up between those two groups? Oh, yeah. So I'm actually, so I, yeah, a little bit of all of that. So I'm using some of these skills in the exam room and doing that not as in a structured um, coaching way, but that may be something that's going to develop in my practice. I have coached physicians and I've coached non-physicians. And so I think all so far have been women, but I think there there's a theme for whether you're a physician or um, a businesswoman or a teacher, is that we all have things in our life that we, we want to do and that there are, as we talk about these tenets of osteopathic principle or principles of osteopathic ah, tenets, <laughs> sorry, I'm putting my words together, is yeah. that, you know, there, there's always some obstructions. And so I think that overwhelm or um, maybe I called it distractions before, just things that are keeping them from getting to where they want to be. So actually giving them a space to think about what they want, why they want it, and then help them move forward is so, um, so interesting to them. They're like, how can I, I don't, I don't see a way past this, but once they sit down in coaching, then either brainstorming or things that they come up with really helps them um, start to realize there are other things that they can do and they're not stuck. Mm-hmm. And so those are those are things that I see across the board. I do think that, you know, physicians have their own set of things that they're hung up on, you know, things that we should do, our perfection. Many of us have a perfectionistic tendency and that we struggle with that. You know, how much do we do for ourselves? How much do we do for other people? Um, I see that last one a lot in moms as well. And, mm-hmm. and really trying to prioritize um, how they take care of themselves in relationship to others. Yeah, so many great opportunities within there. And I love that you're bringing up the principles and the tenets, and we could use those relatively interchangeably as well. When I think about obstructions to health, you know, oftentimes we might see them as a problem and something to be removed, but I often like to view them first just as this beacon or an awareness, right? The alert, it's the way of something calling to us and saying more attention is needed here. You know, here's an area of focus. Yeah. And how have you approached you know, obstacles or obstructions in that way where it doesn't even have to be something right to get rid of, but starting with the noticing of it? 
Yeah, I love how you've said that. And I may have uh, unintentionally copied that from you. <laughs> I must have heard you said it before. <laughs> but I, I do. That's one of the things that I have really, you know, tried to put out there in in my discussion of burnout for me and how I would love others to think about it is, is that feeling of burnout is that alert that something needs to change. And, and so I, I think that instead of feeling like I've done something wrong or I have, you know, created this process, um, it, it, I've done all these things. I brought all this stuff into my life and now I've got to really work through which ones I want to keep. So I think that, thinking of the situation that you're in as an opportunity to kind of really learn about yourself, what serves you and how to move forward and um, set yourself up for success in the future, I think is a good way to look at it. And I also think about obstructions as an opportunity to reflect and come back to where you want to be and where you want to go forward And then I also think about it as an obstruction is something that's hard and you have to push past it. And so I think about that more in kind of like training for races and you, you know, you have to push yourself and realize what your body can do before you can move forward, like a step forward, a step back, step forward, step back and going through injuries. And so I think having that consistency helps you get through that obstruction or around it, practicing and just having some accountability. I, um, I find that I am better about my running habit <laughs> if I have a race that I've signed up for and that I know I'm, I'm moving towards something. And, um, and so those are, are some of the things that I, I kind of relate to obstructions and how I think about them a little differently. Absolutely. And I love that opportunity and awareness to know what your motivators are, you know, and to not be apologetic for them thinking it's okay, right? That a race or, you know, a buddy who you run with, or at least, you know, checks in with you is needed to keep you going. Sometimes we think if we can't just do it, you know, based on internal drive, it's not good enough, but to know, actually, these are my success makers, you know, and I'm going to put them in place. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of external motivation does help sometimes. <laughs> There's a good combination of both. <laughs> no, knowing what gives you energy and what takes it away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about integrative health and wellness coaching as the training program, what that looks like. You know, I envision one of the osteopathic tenants coming through there as the mind, body, spirit, unity, mm-hmm. and how you nurture all of those. Has that been part of your training and practice? Yes, it's been, it's been the, the, the kind of the central part of that, I would say the program that I trained in at Duke um, is an integrative medicine um, program and health coaching is a piece of what they do with that, at that um, location. And I chose that because it was local to me. So initially the integrative piece of it wasn't the pull for me, but once I got into it, and learned more about it, it made so much sense. And as a primary care physician, you know, I see this in the office all day long, how, how, you know, stress affects you physically. And when you're going through physical pain, how that affects you emotionally. So there's that mind body connection is, has been clear to me for a long time, but really trying to realize how much it interacts with all parts of your life and being mindful of that, I think are the 
the key teachings of the integrated piece of this. Um, a lot of us are familiar, it's called different things, but a wheel of health where you have all these different pieces of the pie and, and um, mind-body connection is something that can just be one of those, but it touches a lot of the other ones. And so I, I have folks ask me a lot, you know, what's the difference between an integrative health coach and a health coach? And, and if you're an integrative health coach, are you working with supplements and um, acupuncture and things like that? And I say, well, personally, I'm not. Some folks do um, function, you know, functional movement or nutrition. But the way I see that piece as a primary care physician is I take care of the whole person. And this mind-body connection is, is just part of that. And so, so that's my piece of how I'm integrated. Um, and I think that, you know, just knowing how everything connects is crucial for a lot of folks and that your nutrition is not in isolation from your exercise and how you feel um, with your ability to focus and be aware you know, is impacted by how much clutter you've got on your desk. And so trying to kind of put all these pieces together for me has been really interesting. And I hope that when I work with folks in coaching that I parlay that to them and they're seeing this as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And knowing the threads are expansive. And even in these episodes of conversations, I've been pleasantly surprised, you know, when people might have a focus, even in finance. And we think, okay, what are we going to talk about? We talked about so much, right? Because there's always an element within health, you know, contributing to health in all of these topics. So to be able to Mm -hmm. know that for your patients, you know, and to understand how much is impacting their health and their ability to comply with recommendations, you know, I think there's so much value in that to be brought into the physician patient relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're, you know, that last piece about how, how they comply with recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is a, a mind shift for a physician to think about. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm helping them um, get to where they want to be and explore all these options. And so it, it is a it's a big switch. And it's been something that I've enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because even as I said it, you know, those are the, the words of our historical relationship. And even just understanding if there is the ability there and if there are limitations, right, if there are those obstructions, what they might be, and if the patient even can, if it's even a possibility to follow through with what we might see is obvious or necessary and to understand like that might not be available to them, you know, and how can we actually be supportive in this way? Yeah, where they are on that, that cycle of change and where they, where they want to be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. We've talked a little bit about structure, right? And how you have structured your training and the engagements. And we talk in osteopathic medicine about the relationship of structure and function. And for me, it's so interesting because I relate much more to fluidity, you know, than a lot of solid form. And at the same time, see how it can be helpful to have guideposts. And I loved some of the the French relation to parenting, bringing up baby. They talk Mm -hmm. about the cadre, right? A gentle framework within which... There's a lot more room for movement. How have you been able to maintain that? Because we've seen a lot of fluidity, right? In the changes you've made professionally. How do you balance those two, right? Where the structure is helpful and where being Mm. flexible also matters too. Oh, yeah. Um, That is something that I balance back and forth every day. And I am, I, with transitioning, 
this year and bringing all the things I got curious about last year back into uh, a scenario where I've got a full-time position that I'm building and that I'm really interested in meeting new patients and how this is going to work is I'm nervous that I'm going to kind of overwhelm myself again. And, and I, I've used the term relapse and someone said, Ooh, that sounds kind of scary, but you know, it, it can be. And so I'm really working in my mind to try to set up some routines for myself, some structure that helps me be able to touch on all of these things that I'm still interested in. And at the same time, I want to have this ability, this time to sit back and reflect and, and be fluid about what I'm concentrating on at, uh, you know, for these two weeks or for these three months. And so my, my strategy for myself not to let myself get back into a period of being overwhelmed is to really have uh, that ability to sit down, reflect often, what's my priority for the moment and what's going to be my priority in six months so that I don't feel like that I am running myself ragged again. And so that, that's my, my two pieces of the, of the puzzle for me right now and really figuring out you know, what, what brings me energy and what drains that energy, as I was saying a little bit earlier, um, is going to help me. And I'm hopeful that I can continue to keep doing all the things that I'm interested in and not start to see one piece of it as an obstruction that needs to be eliminated, but more of an obstruction of just like I need to go around it and get to the other side. So, so having, um, having that perspective for me and that intentionality of knowing what I want to concentrate on right now has, is going to be helpful for me. I'm not going to say it, it may be, it's going to be, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. declaring it right I now. It. So. <laughs> yeah. Some of those words, those modifiers, you know, they can drag us down. So being able to say it's going to be, yes. I yeah, love yeah. leaning into that. Can you expand a little bit? I am curious when you took this you know, sabbatical time or the time between and mm-hmm. transition, how was it, right? So you mentioned, you know, monitoring for overwhelm but even the act of returning, right, of going back in after this time away, because we've seen a lot of physicians step away from medicine and then stay away from clinical care. How did you navigate that space? Yeah, so my my situation is I um, transitioned health systems in the same community. So I had some contractual time away that I needed to fulfill and initially, I it was it was a little frustrating that that was going to happen. But then, as we talked about, I got curious, and I I felt like, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity. I don't want to waste this. You know, I actually went straight through um, school, went to residency, went to work, so I didn't have a, a year off or a gap year, and so I was taking this as my self term sabbatical year, and and as professors do who take sabbatical they go do learn something else uh you know experience the world and so this was my chance to do that and I um proved some of my friends and family wrong that said I was just going to sleep late all day and and uh walk the dog and do nothing else and so I think they um saw some of the things that I did during this year and and the interest that I had and and were really supportive of me so Mm -hmm. so I um finished my coaching certification. I learned how to, to work on the business as a coach. I got more experience coaching. I volunteered in a uh, health study, um, helping cancer patients stay active after 
um, their treatments and during their treatments. And so I was their health coach doing that. And as we talked about, I started speaking more about this. I started writing and it's really just been so much fun. Um, and I was still interested after all that in going back into practice. And my new practice model is a little different. It's a concierge practice. And so I really feel like I, I'm going into it with all these new skills, all this new experience. I really am going to have the time to um, spend with my patients, get to know them, build those relationships that I told you I was really interested in cultivating, and and then continue to do some of these things that I'm doing with physician wellness and with coaching and getting involved with working with residents and students and trying to, again, just spread this knowledge and give all this that I can back to folks who I worry could end up in the same feeling of overwhelm um, that I did. And hopefully giving them these skills now will keep them from experiencing that um, as many of the physicians who have been practicing are doing and have done. So, so um, you couldn't see me, but I got a big smile on my face as you were asking (laughs) that question um, because I do think it's just a great opportunity. And it's also, I didn't want to waste my time during this year of sabbatical. Also don't want to waste, what I've learned and I don't want to waste my opportunity now to kind of put all these together. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that would be an ideal um, situation for me if I could combine all these skills and, and use them to help folks in different ways. It's so encouraging and inspiring. And I hope those listening who are in that space can see, right. Taking that pause, even when, like you said, originally you were frustrated by he almost like, let me just go right into the next space. But you know, the wisdom of the universe can lead us into that time to really lean into what we were meant to be doing. We've heard lots of different ways. And as we come into our wrap up here, I'm curious how you would see yourself for the health of all things. Mm, For the health of all things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I am, I am continuing to try to support my health. Um, I have some, you know, things I want to do this year for my body health. Um, commitments to myself for nutrition and activity, as well as, as keeping that margin and white space that I have that I have created and want to keep. And I also see me, I also see myself as a teacher of others, um, so that they can use some of the things that I've learned as ways to maintain their health. And then I also think just this conversation, this new way of having conversations with folks is just so healthy for relationships. And I found that in my friends and my family, just just having a little bit deeper conversation has really been a way to just open the doors to to um, making those relationships deeper, as I would as it's kind of a term I would use. But so I, I see that as kind of the big health. Um, and then I'm I'm. I'm hopeful, you know, some of the things I've started to write about are um, a little bit out of my comfort zone again, as things that are going on in the world rather than my reflections. And so I'm hoping that um, as we kind of move forward, the health of our country and the health of our planets and and all those big picture things, um, you know, are going to be things that we can see in the future as well. Oh, great. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing and for taking time out of your schedule to be here today. Please do tell our listeners where they can find you. Thank you. Again, I really appreciate the opportunity. 
I have a website, well, <laughs> I can't talk, a mm-hmm. website, wellness and website uh, mm-hmm. for my wellness business. So it's www.marion-wellness.com. And I have a Facebook and Instagram uh, page where I put lots of fun wellness tips. And that is Marion McCreary Wellness on both Facebook and Instagram. And I'm getting into Twitter. So join me there. Uh, and it's Marion McCreary MD on Twitter. And Excellent. I would love to have show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Love to catch up with any of you on social media or with a conversation through my website. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you today, have this conversation and share it with others. Yes. It's been so great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.